0: Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. On a Greek island 20 years ago, I'm sorry, 20-year-old, Sophie's preparing for her wedding when she reveals to her two bridesmaids that she invited three men to her wedding only after reading in her mother's diary that one of these three men could be her father. What Sophie wants is her real father to give her away on her wedding day. Sophie believes that she'll be able to determine which of the men is her father once they all get to the island. The invitation of these three men creates a bit of an awkward situation for her mother, Donna. Now, you might be asking yourself right about now, what can we learn from this movie? (laughs) And in this moment, I'm probably thinking the same thing as well. (laughs) I saw this movie about uh, two or three years ago and I was looking at it out of the corner of my eye. I was at my parents' house and Lauren was there and she was watching the movie with my mother and I was on my phone just scrolling through. I was not really interested at all. Yeah, the songs were catchy, it sounded pretty good. But I wasn't really into it because it was kind of a chick flick it seemed like to me. But then all of a sudden the plot came out and I peered from my phone and realized kind of what this movie was all about. It's all about a girl Sophie trying to find her father, who her father actually is, because she feels like a piece of her, a piece of her identity is gone. She's missing a piece of who she is. She doesn't feel complete in a sense because she doesn't know who her dad is and as the movie goes on you realize that it creates a little bit of awkwardness between her mother and the three uh, potential fathers and uh, she tries to resolve this issue but what's really interesting is I think that all of us are asking the question that Sophie is asking we're all asking who are we what's our identity who am I and how am I supposed to orient myself in the world? And that's what we do. Every single person defines themselves, and every single person defines other people. Because it helps us have a framework for how we live in the world. So for example, people, you might label other people by their occupation, their family history, their interests, their hobbies, their political views, their religious affiliation, or lack thereof. That's kind of what we like to impose on other people so we can understand how to interact with them and how to get to know them and how to maybe view them in a simplistic way. But we also do this to ourselves as well. We want people to identify us specifically as well. You might say, well, I'm kind. I'm loving. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm a conservative. I'm a liberal. I'm a reader. I'm a writer. I'm a movie critic. I'm a lawyer, I'm a car enthusiast, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. We like to give ourselves labels so that we can understand ourselves and also understand other people as well. And as we kind of watch the next couple clips, just in the back of your head try and remember that we are, just as Sophie is, trying to figure out who we are and trying to fit our life into an identity. Sophie's trying to piece together who she is. And that's kind of what we're trying to do as well. And that brings us to our scripture this morning out of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And it says this. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I would say, out of the entire New Testament, these four verses in particular help us identify who we are as Christians in the most clearest sense possible. And there's three distinctions that this verse is trying to make to inform us of who we are, who our identity is. The first is, you have been risen with Christ. The second is, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And the third is, which kind of summarizes it all, is Christ is your life. That's what this verse is trying to say. Now, what it means to be raised with Christ is that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we, not just in a metaphorical sense, in a spiritual sense now, have also been raised to life again. And there's a promise of us being raised to life in the future once our bodies have passed away. This is what this verse is trying to say. And this is the most defining and confronting aspect of what it means to be a Christian. If you, ask, if you would ask the Apostle Paul, what does it mean to be a christian he would say a christian is somebody who believes in the resurrection of jesus in its most simplest form a christian is somebody who believes in the resurrection of jesus because we look all the way back to even the first decade of the history of the church you had people who were jewish who followed the torah the old testament and then you had people who were jewish who followed the old testament and the torah and believed that jesus was risen from the dead that was the main distinction, and that was the main controversy point from the early Jewish people, first century Jewish people, to the first century Christians, because they were these Jewish people who were claiming that the Messiah had come and he had actually risen from the grave, and that informs us and gives us a new identity as to who we are from this point forward. Christ has raised, been risen from the dead, and you have been raised as well. Well, you can't be raised from the dead unless you die. That's kind of implied there and if it's implied in this verse not implies explicit that you have been raised with christ as well it implies that there's a death that has taken place in your life and that christ has raised you to new life yes it's a metaphorical death now but we know that death inevitably will come to each and every one of us that's why there's a spiritual resurrection that's happening now within our hearts but there's a literal resurrection that will happen in the future And what happens is we die to ourselves, our wants, our needs, our desire to be lord of our own life, and we are raised to newness of life where Christ is lord, Christ is king of our lives. This is why this resurrection is so important to inform us as to who we are and what our identity is. And then there's the third thing that I mentioned, which is just kind of like a footnote, kind of like a a bracket within a sentence. Paul just kind of says it in the last verse. He says, when Christ who is your life. This is the most confronting aspect of this verse. This is the summary of what's going on. When Christ, who is your life, do we consider Christ to be our life? Every time I read this verse, it just confronts me and helps me reflect and ask the question, am I living life as if Christ is my life? Is my identity Christ? I know I am made up of so many different things, but is who I am, in a sense, what this verse is saying? Christ, because Christ is your life. We'll talk more about that in a second, but let's just finish the movie. So the movie doesn't end with them getting married. There's this whole realization that she doesn't want to get married. She wants to go traveling for a while, and that's the conclusion of the movie. Kind of not very satisfying, but it was a movie in 2008, and that was kind of the theme, I guess, of 2008, doing what you want and finding yourself. So this movie isn't the perfect example of what your identity should be. It isn't necessarily found in the things you do and the people you associate with and even your heritage, in a sense, as much as we like to make it about that. And in a sense, this movie is imperfect in that way, and that's completely fine. We can still learn from it. What we know as Christians is that our identity is found in Christ. And this is what this verse is trying to say. What we... um, what we tend to try and do is we try and, we try and find a bunch of external things to try and inform who we are, and trying to inform and to project to the world who we are. Like I said at the start, we're this, we're that. We associate with these people. This is who I am. This is my family. has been here for hundreds of years. This is my identity. My roots are here. But what this verse is trying to say is the most important and foundational thing about who you are as a Christian is that... Christ is your life. That's it. But there's a problem, though, when we think about Christ being our life, okay? When it comes to this, we come sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that Christ is a part of our identity as opposed to our whole identity, our life. This is most commonly expressed, I think, when, um, when you see people, I don't know, when, when you see people categorize things that are priorities in their life. So for example, this is a very popular statement in Christian circles. Jesus is first, family is second, church is third. I understand the heart behind a statement like that, but this isn't what this verse is trying to say. What this verse is ultimately trying to say is who you are, who you are encapsulated, your complete identity is found in Christ. Christ is your life. And because of that identity, it informs every other aspect of who you are. It informs your aspect of your family relationships, your relationship to church, your relationship to your work, your friends, your co-workers. Every single aspect of your life is informed by the fact that you are a Christian. Christ is your life. And I'm not standing here before you claiming that I have this whole thing of Christ is your life figured out. I certainly do not, but what I am here telling you is that I am pursuing with my whole heart Christ, following him. It's a journey. As we're on this journey, we're trying to figure out and and work out what it means for our complete and whole identity to be found in Christ. Can you imagine what it would look like, though, if you fully embodied Fully lived out this identity where everything that you did was completely informed by Christ being your life. Everything you did, everything you thought, everything you walked out, everything you had. You wouldn't have to necessarily decide in a, in a moment's notice, I'm going to be a bold witness of Jesus in my workplace or in my neighborhood. Because if Christ is truly your identity, if Christ is your life, then Being a bold witness for him will just be a natural expression of who you are, if that is truly your identity. Maybe praying wouldn't seem so much of a burden or a desire in your life, because praying is just a natural outworking of your identity in Jesus. But the reality is, is that many of us don't experience that necessarily on a day-to-day basis. Many of us, we have competing identities that come into our life, things that sometimes peak above and identify who we are to a greater degree and extent than Christ. And you might be asking the question, well, Joey, how the heck do I live a life where I am able to identify completely with Jesus? The answer is simple, but the working out is difficult and takes a whole life. It is through pursuing Jesus that... He becomes your identity. He becomes your life. It isn't a moment necessarily where this happens. It is the outworking of pursuing Jesus where this takes place. Draw near to him. Let his grace change you from the inside out. Pray to him. Learn from him. Rely on him. Worship him. And above all else, follow him let's pray